Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. I'll let you guys talk all day. I like what's going on. Hey, can I tell you guys, before we jump into the offering or anything, can I tell you about something that just happened? Um, during worship, uh, I, for whatever reason, all of a sudden had a serious pain in my left knee, and it felt like I had either hyperextended my knee or torn my ACL, which I know what they feel like. I've done two on this side, three on this side for surgeries. And uh, I was losing the ability to stand on my left leg. And so I sat down for a second and I leaned over to my mother-in-law and I said, I don't know what I just did, but uh, I just tore something in my knee, I think. And I don't even know what I'm telling you, really, like you could do something, but uh, I guess if I go down on the stage that you could at least tell them what happened. Um, and so she said, right as I thought the same thing, I promise, she said out loud, what if it's not for you? What if it's not for you? I went, oh, I hope. <laughs> well, wait. And then she just got down and got behind my knee and laid a hand on it and prayed for about five minutes and it went away entirely. It completely left. I know, I, was, I had to shake her. I was like, hey, it le it's gone. <laughs> and, but um, as soon as I prayed about it ending worship there, um, I saw that it was for somebody and, it, and also that it might not be for healing, it might be for encouragement. I don't know what it's for, but that uh, people get all up in their head about praying for somebody's healing because if it doesn't happen, then you look like an idiot. And none of us wanna look like an idiot. But if we leave it up to God and what he wants to do, then if we're God's idiot, then I'm fine with that. Um, but anyways, if that is you if in here left um, behind your knee or your knee or something, uh, I think somebody's supposed to pray for you today. Um, and it, it can be anybody. So I would love to see um, a few of you gather around them and pray. Okay. That's a terrible idea. Yes, yes, we, we will in a second. Uh, is, is that anybody? Does anybody think that's them? You do? What's your name? Monica. Monica? Is that your left knee? It feels really bad. Is it feeling great now? Is it really right now? Uh, <laughs> I think that's a major praise God. Thank you. Look at this. Look at what's going on. What's going on, though, is to um, 
just to kind of walk through that and try to take some of the weirdness out of the Holy Spirit. Because that was the Holy Spirit acting and moving in a way. Um, The other thing is in our family, sometimes our family gets really uh, horrible news. And Cindy Miles a couple days ago got word that her 23-year-old son was killed in a motorcycle accident. And, uh, and it's just devastating. And just that you would be praying for her, that, um, that you know, it's in the past, it, we've had horrible things happen to, to many of you, and I had to try to give a message and, and barely make eye contact with you while it was going on, because I know the stuff that you're going through, and we're not mentioning it. I think we need to mention it and do that. God, we just pray for her uh, strength, for her peace, uh, for whatever she's supposed to feel, that she would feel it the, the way that is most beneficial, that she doesn't try to rush through it, that she doesn't try to live in grief forever, but just the right amount of time. Just say, come Holy Spirit. God, thank you for the good work that you've begun, even though it feels dark and and terrible. I just pray that you would begin bringing a new kind of joy. We give a mother over to a son. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be praying for Cindy. It is, it's a hard, it's a hard time right now. Okay, so something's going on today. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll just go through whatever part of my message I can in a few minutes and, and we'll see if anything else happens. Uh, if our ushers want to come forward and give an, we'll give an offering together, um, If you want to help partner with us to be able to do just more Holy Spirit stuff that we're called to do, um, then do so, partner. God, thank you for spoiling us the way that you do, for taking care of us, for surprising us when we've been worried, when we've lost faith in something, surprising us and sustaining us. Thank you for checks in the mail that we weren't expecting. Just pray for more of those for everybody in this room that they don't even make sense. Just pray for uh, your favor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Okay. Oh, man. Well, what we're going to talk about today is uh, the idea of birds of a different feather. Birds of a different feather. 
brothers from other mothers, sisters from different misters. You guys know what an echo chamber is? It's, uh, it's that, in, that environment in which a person encounters only beliefs or opinions that coincide with their own so that their existing views are reinforced and alternative ideas are not considered, a.k.a. subreddits, a.k.a. certain Facebook groups where all the time you say, I've heard from so many people the same thing. Have you? Because they're all your people that say the thing that you're wanting them to say. That's the, the echo chamber that you get yourself into this place where all you begin to hear, it's your TikTok feed. You made your TikTok feed happen. It didn't accidentally get there. It, and all of a sudden you're like, everything I see on TikTok agrees with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're in the loop. You're in the echo chamber. The thing about that is why it's so dangerous, I believe, is because we are called to have people who are different than us in our lives, um, that we're actually called to have different-ers. We need people who are different than us. Uh, the saying is, birds of a feather flock together, because it's people of similar backgrounds tend to hang out with each other. Mostly college, like college graduates hang out with college graduates, typically. Um, you know, if there's somebody that's of a certain wealth level and they live in a certain neighborhood, those people hang out with each other or people who live in similar neighborhoods. We end up segregating ourselves still based on race. Um, a lot of us, we choose our, our closest friends based on what Catholic high school we went to. It's also weird because there's... Um, it's hardly ever that there's a millennial who's friends with, say, a baby boomer who is not their family. And that's a critically missing relationship. What I'm talking about is that we need to have people who are opposed to us, people who are different color than us, people who are able to give us different lessons on life, able to challenge us in different ways. Hardly any neighborhood in the, in the U.S. is wealthy, poor, wealthy, poor, right next to each other. It's always in chunks. The Apostle Paul, what he says in 1 Corinthians is for us to never, ever, ever say, I don't need you. That I don't need you for, for some reason. I need you. And you need me. It says... The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Indispensable. Uh, are you, some of you in this room are a big toe. <laughs> she knows. A big toe. Somebody else is the callus on that toe. But if you're missing that big toe, oh my gosh. You are completely out of balance. All of a sudden, your back goes on the right lower side. Then you compensate for it, and your hip goes over here. And then all of a sudden, you're like, why, why am I 95 years old? What was I starting that with? We need to be in 
relationship with people who are different than us. And I would say relationship, that word would even creep some people out. Friendship. Be in friendship with someone. Be in mentorship even. Be in, um, you know, acquaintance plus territory. Where, no, they're not my friend, but I'll go out of my way to say hi to them. That you would be in that kind of a, a relationship with people that are different than you. Uh, I have this little convenience store by, right by my house that I go to constantly. It's my favorite one. And uh, it's, it's Larry's Food Mart, I think is what it's called. And we're constantly saying, I'm going up to Larry's. I got to stop at Lawrence's. Uh, the thing is, it has been owned for, for quite a few years by uh, the guy who's become my friend, Kumar, who is Indian. And I don't know what got it started. He just started jabbing me uh, one day when I'm in there, like making fun of me in different little ways. And, we just, <laughs> and we, just, we just started going back and forth and hanging out and talking and find out he's, he went to law school in New York uh, that wasn't for him. He was having anxiety and panic attacks and decided to open up a store. And was, I was like, Dude, is there, what is with that? <laughs> I'm like, that's what I don't, I don't understand. And so we just joke about different things. I said, well, why, you own it now. Why is it called Larry's? I said, What's my, what am I going to call it, Kumar's? <laughs> well, I understand. And I, and I hate that. Man, I hate that, too. We need to be in uh, relationships with other people who are different than us to broaden our perspective, to broaden our, our perspective. Uh, if we want to become wise people who are able to learn from the experiences of other people, like smart people learn from their mistakes, wise people learn from somebody else's mistake. Like, I don't want to do that thing they did. She was this way, I'm never going to be that way. That kind of thing. I'm going to learn from their mistake. Um, younger adults need to be in relationship with older adults because they have an opportunity to learn from them and to just hear stories and to, you know, go through that process of living through them in their shoes for a little bit. Stories that they tell and you think about later, oh my gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid that. Or that's a scam. Or I didn't know that you didn't have to pay that fee for that. Or just these things. And older people, you need younger people. You need younger people. Not, and of course for technology stuff. <laughs> of course. But also they are of the internet generation now that has come up in it. And they will be able to help carry you through the whole thing. They'll be able to keep you up to date. They'll be able to tell you what those acronyms mean. Tell you what, all those goofy things, but not just silly internet stuff. They'll be able to challenge beliefs that you have. They'll be able to, um, you know, all of us are, are benefiting from the different generations. Our, our dads, their dads never hugged them, right? Uh, and then it, it goes to the next generation that, well, this dad hugs, but he's not really open. You've never seen him cry before. And then there's our generation that's like, ah, 
and I think it's going to it's going to go back and forth um, to be able to 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 be able to get to a place that God wants it to be. We need to be in a relationship with people who are different than us to bring us Jesus' presence. To bring us Jesus' presence. In Matthew 25, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. A lot of us, we, we say we struggle to experience the presence of Jesus, that we want to we feel him move in some way or, you know, experience God in some way. One of the ways that you can do that and, you know, amp up your odds of experiencing that is to get near somebody who is in need and you will end up getting near to Jesus. And just sitting and talking and getting near to somebody who's in need, and you are going to find yourself closer to Jesus. If you want to experience Jesus, he's at our food pantry. He's, he's there every week. If you want to experience Jesus, he's at the Monday night community dinner. If you want to experience Jesus, he's in our small groups and worship practice. This when you get when you get near to him, he draws near to you. We need to be in friendship and relationship and acquaintance plus with people that are different than us so that we can mature in love. Uh, Martin Luther King preached a sermon in 1962 at his father's church uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was titled The Levels of Love, and it's still a super um, powerful and popular uh, sermon, even from 1962. The levels of love, and he talked about different types of love that people have for, for things or for people that, like, I love my wife so much, but I also love chili cheese burritos so much. <laughs> and, like, that there's different levels of love, even though it's the same the same word, typically. But his sermon, Levels of Love, uh, Dr. King, he urged the people in the church to move beyond um, the, the, the small varieties of love that were self, of self-interest, of selfishness, of, uh, or just of, of self, like romantic love and, and friendship and it is strange to say that those are selfish things, but we do want them for us. And so he says, move, moving beyond that. He talked about a recent conversation that he had with a white man in Albany, Georgia, who claimed that the tension that was caused by the civil rights movement has ca had caused him to not love Negroes like he used to. Dr. King's retort was that you never did love Negroes because your love was a conditional love. It was conditioned upon the Negro staying in his place, and the minute that he stood up as a man and as somebody asking for respect, then you didn't love him anymore. Mm. And so instead, 
Martin Luther King, he recommends a higher level of love that extended even past the, the segregationists, and, and it called on his, his congregation there to rise to agape love, to rise to agape love. And it's God's all-inclusive love. It's, you know, Dr. King defined agape love as the love of God operating in the human heart. That it's that um, everyone is the same, my precious son or daughter. Like when he looks at them, everyone's the same. That you, if it's the pure love of God and there's no, there's none of our crap on it. He said it's in that place where we mature in our love towards others. And we allow our hearts to be that conduit of God's universal love toward everyone. And so any of the, I'm trying to have conversations with Kumar about some faith-related stuff. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying hard to convert him. He's not trying hard to convert me. But we're, we're having conversation and we're talking together. And what I don't, it, all I can see is that God loves Kumar the exact same amount as he loves me. And Kumar doesn't even believe in him. And that is, that's that universal love that there's, there's somebody that doesn't even, that I can't stand the thing they think. I can't stand the way they dress. I can't stand the way they live their life. I can't stand the rich. I can't stand the poor. I can't stand, you know, every, every kind of thing. To be able to no longer have that, that nasty filter over everything. He says, in that practice of agape love that tells the world that God's kingdom has come, that when it's in that place, that universal love of God, that we recognize that whenever we lock eyes with anybody walking down the street, driving past us, that Jesus died for that person on the cross that God went to those lengths for them, even if we're being judgy. We need to be in relationship with people different than us to teach us the gospel. Uh, Henry Nouwen was a very, very, very famous Catholic priest who gave up his positions at Notre Dame and Harvard um, he was a, a, a teaching professor, gave up positions at Notre Dame and Harvard. He would bounce back and forth uh, to work as a pastor of this community in Canada that ministered to people with severe mental and physical disabilities. And he gave it all up so he could, he could go and do this work. He was just one of those guys, Mr. Perfect, really. But now and said that he, he worked with a boy there that didn't appreciate and couldn't comprehend his global fame. Like he didn't appreciate the books that he had written. He didn't appreciate like all the accolades he had that he was world renowned. He didn't appreciate uh, the way that he talked fancy. He didn't appreciate any, anything really. He didn't appreciate how many books that he could quote the kid just didn't care. He said, through this boy, that he discovered that God loved, loved him just for himself. 
that there were no things that impressed this kid whatsoever, but eventually he grew to love him, and he's recognizing that that's, that's where God is with us. Jesus always gets personal with it. I'm going to try to wrap up just a couple minutes here, so I don't know where we'll land this plane, but it's going down. that Jesus always gets personal, um, that whatever it is going on, that if you are against some, a group of people or whatever, you just avoid certain things. You look for your, your own kind. Um, Jesus always gets personal with it, and he wants to kind of weasel in there and say, well, what's up with that? Well, where is that coming from kind of thing? In Luke chapter 12, it goes through a story about, um, you know, them condemning, his disciples condemning the Pharisees. And Jesus could have easily just jumped in and said, yeah, don't they suck? But instead, he, he ends up getting really personal with them and saying, now let me turn that around on you. Here's what I'm concerned about regarding you. You're, you're concerned about these things, but you guys are the ones who are with me right now. Here's the things that are concerning me about you. They're like, I I don't know where I can land this now. (laughs) Here's what here's what I'll say, and I don't I don't even know how to challenge you to do something, and go out and get a friend that's different than you. That's tough. Um, but to, like the thing I had to do on my street is stop looking for the guy that looked most like me doing the stuff that I do out in the yard to maybe say hi to that guy because that's how I usually work and to talk to the guy I don't want to talk to because he's just he, he's living a different life than me you know some people are boat people some of you probably are and you know what I'm talking about you're a boat person There's boat people and not boat people. I'm not boat people. And there are certain people on my street I can't talk to. But I'm going to (laughs) try. All right, let's pray. Uh, What Jesus says with all of this is if we are going to um, have something against, you know, somebody that's not like us, that we would... Just remember that he said, how about we remove the log from our own eye so that we'd be able to see clearly enough to remove the splinter from theirs. God, just help us to, to see it. Help us to not be fools. Help us to recognize when we're being ridiculous and how we can change it. Because your, your, your kingdom is all tribes and tongues. And heaven's the ultimate melting pot. And we're supposed to be replicating it. And so just help us to lean into that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.